0: you're listening to the arizona field podcast hey everybody and welcome to today's episode today we're going to be sitting down with michael cravens uh michael is the advocacy advocacy coordinator with the arizona wildlife federation as well as the vice chairman of the Arizona chapter of BHA, that's Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. He's also an ambassador and contributor to uh, Hunt to Eat. He's a, overall he's a great dude. Uh, We have a really fun uh, conversation. We talk about a whole myriad of things from how hunters can get better at uh, mentorship, uh, some of the mentorship stuff going around the state, uh mike's work with bha and what it is, what bha is and the Arizona wildlife federation and instead of me going on and on I, want let, I just let him do all the talking so sit back relax and then up next is michael and i well thank you mike so uh today we have michael cravens on i don't know if you prefer michael or mike
1: oh either are is fine I, I typically introduce myself as michael though
0: okay so we have michael cravens on um, so, if you don't mind, Michael, can you give us a little bit of a, a background and maybe Sh- what we're talking about today? Sure. Um, Alright, <clears throat> well, background.
1: Uh, I grew up in the Missouri Ozarks, uh, which are, are still near and dear to me. But, you know, for any any person who's, who's spent a life uh, obsessed with the outdoors, you know, the, the West calls to you. Um, you know, and as much as I miss those clear rivers and, and deciduous forests, uh, I I can't trade what what we have out here the diversity of habitat, the diversity of wildlife um, and and of course you know all these public lands we have access uh, to that stuff through so so yeah we've decided to uh make Arizona our home and (laughs) getting windy out here yeah a little bit uh yeah decided to make Arizona our home oh guys that bike's fine just just, yeah it can lay (laughs) on the ground um, and, uh, you know, for all those reasons I just talked about, uh, and yeah, love it here. i um, looking at buying our, our first home, hopefully up in the Flagstaff area, and it's uh, almost hard to believe, you know, coming from, you know, small-town Missouri, that I'm finally in a position that, you know, I'm, I'm looking looking at property in one of the coolest places I could, I, could, I could dream of living, so pretty exciting stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, grew up in the Ozarks, came out here, only came out for two years to explore and the state, I wanted to see, you know, the variety of birds, mammals, reptiles, and amphibians. Uh, you know, I was in photography at the time. And uh, and yeah, came out here and spent two years and just stayed, uh, finally <laughs> convinced my wife that this should be home. And uh, so that's that's how we got here.
0: So that's pretty cool. So, how long you been out here? Uh, We've been out
1: here ten years now.
0: Ten years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, oh, until you mentioned, I forgot how. Because you're pretty into herpetology. Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah, yeah, so this is definitely a great state to, to pick that up in addition to, you know, all the birds and mammals. It and is, that we have
1: yeah, yeah. I'm definitely a generalist outdoorsman. I, I, I dig all natural history and, and, you know, all taxa. I like birds, I like herps, I like mammals. Uh, I, you know, even back east in Missouri, I got deeply into crayfish for a while, which, and that was a lot of fun.
0: They're, they're <laughs> neat little animals. Oh, they are for sure. Uh, so, I am kind of curious, though, do you have, have you picked up a favorite? Taxa out here, or a favorite? Maybe even a favorite snake, or anything.
1: Man, that's tough to say. Uh, as far as you know, herpetofauna, reptiles and amphibians go, you know, Arizona is one of the most diverse states, you know, in, in the union. <laughs> you're fine. You're, you're, you're <laughs> okay, yeah. thanks. You know, um, he just he's overly friendly, and <laughs> we're we're doing a podcast right now, and he's just going to go ballistic, wanting to play, so. <laughs> if you don't mind and i don't i don't mean to be rude and we'll come and visit you soon i promise thank you so much <laughs> oh that, that felt really rude <laughs> it, yeah it,
0: no it, if, if, if it We'll see how the audio sounds. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, that might or may not hit the editing floor. Sure, but, uh, sure.
1: Now Ed, Edward is is super friendly. Um, you know, he's never met a dog. I mean, you could bring the most vicious, vicious dog by, and he'd be like, "Oh crap, that dog wants to play with me." Yeah. And uh, yeah, it gets a little chaotic though.
0: Yeah, but he's young. He's only a year, right? Yeah. Yeah, just over a year. Yeah. Uh, can you? Say, like, uh, do you mind saying, like, what he is? is sure. No, no, oh, what's Edward, what's an Edward?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Edward is a German short haired pointer, um, and in my opinion, he's an exceptional one. He's a good looking dog, he uh, is an absolute charger in the field when, when we're in the field all he cares about is finding birds uh, and then at home he is the biggest goofball and and most affectionate dog I've ever known in my life uh, my kids can climb all over him usually he's climbing all over them so you, you couldn't ask for a better family dog or a better
0: hunting dog so I got really lucky there I know he was a joy to have in camp because we, well, we, we both participated mm-hmm. in the in the BHA uh, hunting for sustain uh, yeah hunting for sustainability workshop. Yep, and oh he was an he was a, he was an awesome delight to have in camp for that time. He's
1: he's fun. He's got a lot of personality. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: for sure, a lot
1: of energy too.
0: So you said you came out. So you originally came out here just on your own, or did, did work bring you out here? Um no. So um, uh,
1: I I went back to college late. I was probably oh thirty three. Uh, when I graduated, my wife, uh, who I've got 12 years on, uh, she was more appropriate college age and we graduated together. So after that we went up to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and uh, where she uh, directed a, a summer camp up there. And you know, when that seasonal work was over, we had a, a choice on whether to go back to Missouri all
0: right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is getting off to a rocky start, huh?
0: No, no we're picking up good on here. I just want to make sure we have good all the way through.
1: Okay. Um... <laughs> So yeah, the choice was either go back to uh, Missouri, uh, you know, which we've we've done, uh, or do something different. And at the time, we had no kids, you know, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend and had plenty of freedom. So I uh, I voted for Arizona um, just to come out here and explore, and uh, so that's what we did. Yeah, we found some uh, adventure guide jobs, you know, guiding like backpacking trips, mountain biking, stuff like that, and uh, in Phoenix. So that's what brought us to Phoenix. And yeah, came out with a um, an old rickety trail trailer um, that we bought for like fifty bucks off Craigslist, piled high, it looked like the Beverly <laughs> Hillbillies, um, and had lots of trouble, <laughs> car trouble. We rolled into Phoenix with a, with the gauge on hot, and uh, yeah, <laughs> we made it. We made it here, and we settled in, and we're actually living like established adults these days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a trick unto itself, especially with uh, just Arizona. You know, in Phoenix, in particular it's hard to get a place to live here I mean, it's not hard mm-hmm. but it's, it's yeah. a trick
1: yeah we've you know in in the ten years we've been out here you know we started with you know a crummy little apartment we found online then you know moved to a nicer apartment that we really liked for a while there and then to the house that we're currently in we've been there for shoot five six years now um, in a great little neighborhood but and you know now we're off looking to buy our own home
0: nice but you're looking to get out of Phoenix, right?
1: Yeah, I am. I'm not city material. Uh, <laughs> I love my neighborhood I'm in now in Tempe, but uh, the truth is, I just don't like living in the city, and I don't want to raise my kids in the city. So no,
0: no, I'm I'm 100 with you. I mean, I know I'm looking more East Valley, but definitely, mm-hmm. I really uh like where your where your mind is going. Yeah, uh, get. I'm not gonna just go where you're going, but sure. No, I like no. to go. Um, the idea, anyways. So I am connected. So you talk about coming out here from Missouri, and then. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you get into the outdoors in the first place? Okay.
1: Um, Well, you know, growing up, man, that was never a choice for me. Uh, I've (laughs) literally been obsessed with the outdoors and with wildlife um, from from my very earliest memories. Uh, My grandfather, you know, I, I would say, I would put it this way. My grandfather, he was bedridden with multiple sclerosis, but he had spent his life as a scoutmaster. And he was very well-read. He had uh, bookshelves just all all over his room. You know, the walls were covered in books. And lots of those books were like the Old Time Life series, you know, where you'd have the reptiles and then you'd have the monkeys and on down the line. And as a kid, you know, I poured over those books all the time. So that was probably kind of what ignited the interest. Then um, my grandfather's best friend was Fielding Chandler. Um, Since my grandfather was a veteran, my mom and dad were divorced, Fielding Chandler... um, took it upon himself to make sure my brother and I got a proper introduction to the outdoors. And he was such an interesting man, you know, he lived like 102 years old. He was the oldest scout in the world for quite some time there. Um, (laughs) But he would take my brother and I out either uh, hiking or or paddling uh, every single weekend but um and so I, I owe a lot to him uh and and my little boy's name is fielding now named after him but uh yeah that's awesome so i'd say that's how i got into the outdoors and then growing up in missouri um you know there's not not a lot of a lot of anything outdoors other than hunting and fishing at least in those days yeah. so you know you're you're immediately you know you're in the hook and bullet crowd just right away uh and you know that that stuck stuck pretty hard uh you know i i my the fishing was something that just i don't know where it came from but i, I was literally obsessed with it my entire childhood and my mom would take me off and dump me off on a bridge on a river and i'd spend half the day walking up and then half the day walking down and she, she'd pick me up after dark then i met another little boy in my neighborhood liked to fish as much as i did and we spent the summer riding our bikes out uh, farm roads, uh, into the backcountry, uh, the farmland and hitting ponds and stuff and fighting off mean farm dogs on the way. <laughs> but then one, one fall rolled around and he's like, Hey, it's time to go hunting. And I had never considered hunting, uh, to that point. And I was a little unsure about it, but we had a wood lot just across the street from, from, you know, near both of our homes. And we went out there and shot a uh, a squirrel with our <laughs> pellet guns that day and and i was hooked from there on there on after that
0: okay so that's actually one opposite of what i thought so the starting well, the fishing came first mm-hmm. and then the hunting so that's pretty and then, you know squirrel hunting especially cause, I mean, squirrels i think are just to me i think they're the ultimate intro species. yeah i mean yeah. you learn so much
1: oh man i still learn i, I still oh, love hunting squirrels as much as i did when i was a kid and there's something to say for that it teaches it's taught me how to shoot you know it's taught me how to squeeze that trigger you know and and take my time it uh it really yeah it's 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 the best small game if you want to learn how to hunt how to shoot how to stalk
0: yeah i know that's been one of my big arguments here in the states, man i always thought that uh you know squirrels i always thought were the ultimate intro species to hunting um and i am curious while i had me on here to uh because my, my mind has kind of shifted I want to see what you guys think what do you say about it but I almost think especially for folks down here in the valley I almost think that shifted a little bit to where quail are I think the ultimate intro species and unless you want to go chase rabbits or whatever yeah. but to me the whole tularemia ticks that kind of kind of throws me off especially in the hot months for for chasing rabbits but I always thought like, quail were kind of like a great intro and then because you and I grew up well, I'm not sure what's in the. Is it mostly gray squirrels or fox squirrels? Oh or? yeah,
1: we have fox squirrels and grays.
0: Fox and grays. Yeah, because I know. I mean, I cut my teeth on grays, and, and then you get out here and it's the uh, the a birds. <laughs> Those tassel-eared a bird squirrels. Uh, just Edward's having uh, a.
1: Yeah, moment. <laughs> yeah, he's decided to is start it? whining as soon as we got on here.
0: It's like, yeah, but Dad's way over there.
1: Uh, <laughs> the
0: whining is a lot. Yeah. No, so uh, so you watched squirrel hunting. Uh-huh. What was your next? I guess, I don't know if I want to say next species or what was your next bridge. Like, what? How'd you get up into what, where you are now? I guess we'll say more of the big game. Oh, um, <clears throat> all right. So, you know, back
1: in in Missouri, back in the Ozarks, the Midwest. You know, right now, um, the the deer populations are unbelievable. But you know, since I I'm 45 now, and you know, since I was probably early or well i'd say 18 to 20 uh is when i was hunting a lot out there with four big game and it wasn't like it is now we you know one we were inexperienced but two there was a lot fewer deer yeah. um we worked our butts off to put an arrow in a deer um and uh but yeah it was it was that same deal uh You know, after I got into squirrel hunting, then, you know, my buddy, you know, he pulled his bow out. Then I had to go get a bow, and, (laughs) you know, and it just, we kind of grew with it. And, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm I'm very much a generalist, uh, so I I get excited about everything. So every new opportunity that arose, you know, i I jump on it and pursue it. Um, Then uh, I I did get away from hunting and angling for quite a few years there because I just started traveling around, um, you know, photography, looking at other wildlife, non-game species, and that took me, you know, took me out west where I started backpacking and paddling a lot. Um, I've been down down in the Amazon basin Central America, Mexico several times, doing that sort of thing, and always knowing, though, all that time, I knew whenever I stopped moving around and traveling and put my roots down somewhere, I was going to pick up hunting again. And uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, all those years I'd still dream about, you know, <laughs> shooting a bow and, and deer and, and this and that. But uh, And then after we'd been in Arizona for, for five years, you know, I thought, well, this is silly. You know, I, this is about as subtle as I've ever been. I'm going to jump back in. And I don't, I don't, I'm not the personality type that does anything halfway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I haven't looked back yet. And, and I'll be pursuing game and fish until the day I die at this point.
0: No, that's pretty badass. I mean, that's one thing that it, it, with these outdoor pursuits, yeah, it's it's definitely nothing you really can half-ass if, I mean, you can, but I just don't think you get the full experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, and success is going to be, be fleeting for sure. You definitely got to put the work in.
0: Because you've taken this, uh, kind of using this as a segue, because um, you've kind of taken this passion for the outdoors, your, your <laughs> hunting, your angling, your non-game stuff, and you've made this into a profession in a way uh so can you mind talking to folks at home like you know what, sure. do, what do you do and
1: yeah yeah um well uh, in my volunteer life i serve as the vice chair for arizona backcountry hunters and anglers and uh, backcountry hunters and anglers was kind of my gateway you know i've always been into the natural sciences and, and biology and conservation but backcountry hunters and anglers was my gateway into specifically you know game and fish conservation as we know conservation and um you know it's in my opinion i think that's where you find the very best people um and you know i i was you know while i had been you know in messing around with non-game species for all those years you know, I was more on the environmental side. And I, I hate drawing a line between environmentalism and conservation. You know, uh, all of it depends on, you know, healthy environments, uh, clean air, clean water, good habitat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I know people like to def- define those things separately.
0: And they do. And that's and that's one of the downsides, um, cause, You know, especially right now. You know, everybody's <laughs> so polarized. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you can't really divide that you kind of which you know if it puts outdoorsmen and conservationists in a in a weird position because you are very pro one side but the other side's got a lot of good points too and it's sure yeah yeah it's i'm just i'm just i'm just agreeing with it i appreciate that
1: (laughs) um yeah i I don't I, i i feel like not enough people look at it from that light uh i uh I'm glad everybody out there is doing this work. I might not always agree with, say, what the Sierra Club, the approach they're taking, but they're out there fighting for wild places and and, and good habitat and and a healthy environment, just the same as the folks on the conservation side are, and and we tend to lose sight of that. Um, It's easy to get angry. It's easy. You know, to let that tribalism slip in there and, and, you know, get all defensive. But the truth is we're all fighting for the same stuff. um, And we have a lot more in common than we have, you know, otherwise, I guess.
0: (laughs) Right, because, I mean, one thing that I think we kind of skipped over, and do you mind explaining what is BHA? What is Backcountry Hunters and Anglers? Okay,
1: uh, yeah, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, is primarily a public land advocacy group. Um, You know, they're nationwide, Uh, there's chapters in almost every state now, if not all of them, Uh, forgive me for not having those stats, but, um, you know, uh, here in Arizona, we we work on bad public land bills, Uh, we do signage projects, Uh, we do the standard go out, pick up trash, Uh, Our chapter chair Justin, he just got back from going out and sinking some Christmas trees and for habitat and lakes around here. So all that standard stuff. And it's also, the great thing about BHA is... It's so easy to get involved, you know. We we have pint night well back whenever we all saw each other in person. We had had pint nights, and hopefully we're going to get back to that real soon. So and that was basically just an opportunity, meet at a local pub, um, you know, drink beers if you want to, and it's fine if you don't. But get together with like-minded guys, uh, talk about issues, talk about things you love to do, and uh, just have a good time. So it's easy to get involved, um, and it, it's easy to rub shoulders with guys, make new friends. So it's just a fun group. Um, and they do a lot of great work.
0: Yeah, because I, mean, I know that uh, just following uh, Backcountry Underscore on on social media, because uh, I'm probably going to get the, the handle wrong, but from around Instagram, you guys are. Is it Backcountry? Is, is it B-H-A-Z or Backcountry Underscore Man, Z?
1: I felt like it changed or something recently because I've did. had trouble finding it. I think it's Arizona underscore BHA, it's, I think.
0: Okay, because I, mean, I think it used to be AZN. And an that's A-Z Instagram. End, and then yeah. That, yeah. But if, if you type in Arizona. BHA or something on Instagram. It, it, it should be able to pop up. It should um, be,
1: yeah. It's harder to find than it should be right now. Yeah,
0: it should be. Yeah. Because well, one thing that. Um uh, I get a kick out of and the reason I brought that up in the first place was it really just shows All the work that BHA has been doing in the Because I mean mm-hmm. everything from you know like Justin and guys who went out and, and Helping GF or yeah GFD. I always get you got it. I always want to say FGD Right, that's um, an Eastern thing. <laughs> yeah, right uh, You know, sticking the trees for habitat mm-hmm. um, Just so if folks listen to this and they don't know those trees they create structure. Yeah. Yeah, so it allows the fish so without structure the fish kind of have no place to settle. Um, they don't have the protection they, um, for spawning or whatever. Then, like some fish will use the tree branches to kind of hang out with, sure. and the and, uh, crappies. And I'm just letting folks at home kind of know, like, to, yeah. to you and me, it's yeah, that's what they do. but right. You know, not everybody knows what it's for. Like, okay, why? Like,
1: why on earth are they throwing Christmas trees on so the, like the they lake? Yeah. the
0: lake isn't that pollution? So, yeah. This different. This time it's different. Yeah. This time. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, but in addition to that, I mean, uh, we were still on the angling side. But um, last year, well, before everything got crazy, you guys were doing a lot of helping out with the fish stockings, mm-hmm. with the with the heel and the Apache. Yeah, trout?
1: yeah. One one nice thing about BHA is you know it's a r- relatively young <laughs> group, and. Um, you know, there's a lot of energy there, and a lot of guys that want to get out there and do something. So, yeah, they'll call on us whenever they need to backpack, uh, you know, native trout fry up into the mountains and put them in streams and things like that.
0: Yeah, that's, and I think that's just a badass opportunity. I mm-hmm. mean, the folks want to get involved. I mean, it's, it's, like you said, it's so easy to get involved. Even if you just want to come and see what's going on. I mean, those pint nights are right. I mean, it's sitting around with a with some liquid courage, yeah. and I mean, it's, yeah. it's easy to get a hold of you and talk to folks. Oh man,
1: it's a great bunch of guys too. Yeah,
0: no, I've yeah. had a riot coming out to, to all the events well every event i can make pretty yep. much which isn't, yep. isn't all of them by far but um but uh so you have bha and you also nice you guys. yeah we'll check you later Take care. all Let's right have a yet. good one we're, we're out
1: here at the uh, papago archery range in timby arizona
0: yeah i probably should have said that yeah um, which is a pretty cool venue for folks you know so I think this is set up as a Joad range. Um, Junior Olympic Archery Development, I think the D stands for. Uh, Man,
1: I've seen some of those kids out here shooting, and they're good. Oh yeah. I mean really good. Yeah.
0: No, they are some there are some top shooters out here. Uh, but I mean it's a free public range. I mean it's you gotta bring your own target, you know, it's BYOT, but it's I mean everything's marked out. You got a nice, you know, pavilion to sit, you know, sitting under in the shade. I mean we're not in the shade right now, but you know, it's you can get out of the elements. I've shot here in the <coughs> rain before. Mm-hmm. You know, not to, not to worry about it. Um, the only thing right now is doing all that construction. I think, cause I remember right, that's. I think I heard that's going to be the giant spring training facility. Is that what this? I have like? no idea. Yeah, I think that's what all that new the new baseball complex oh. behind us. Yeah, I, just,
1: <laughs> I didn't even notice it.
0: Yeah. Because um, I've actually been hearing that's got. a that's got some public land issues with it too because yeah. it's going to be it's public land but it's they're putting a private facility yeah in.
1: a couple of years ago I, I i mountain bike around this park and uh a couple of years ago i guess they sold a chunk off i'm assuming wow. for I this think that yeah chunk over there yeah and uh, there was a lot of a lot of turmoil over that I, I didn't necessarily get involved in that but
0: yeah it sounds like it was a uh, because we're in, technically in scottsdale mm-hmm. i think it was of uh, the scottsdale uh wouldn't it be a public lands committee it was like a heritage committee or something was really cranking that one up, but yeah, I think it's gonna be where the the, the Giants are gonna do their spring training. Oh, cool.
1: There. Right on.
0: Yeah. But uh, oh, where were we? Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> talk about Arizona Wildlife Federation.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. If you want to talk about AZ uh, Wildlife Federation mm-hmm. or um your other non-professional. Oh. Side, like yeah. Okay, okay. We'll we'll, we'll do the, that first.
1: Get get done with the non-professional stuff, um. And I mean that that's not, you know. I am an ambassador for Hunt to Eat. Uh but I mean I guess you could say I'm an active ambassador. Uh Hunt to Eat is a great uh company run by uh, Monty Patellas. Um you know on the surface it's a t-shirt company um they make really cool hunting shirts but uh it goes a lot deeper than that. Um they uh I I hope all that whining doesn't come through on this. I
0: don't think it will. <laughs> If this wind isn't getting in, that his yeah. he won't get in. <laughs>
1: um, but no, uh, he's a very thoughtful guy. Um, you know, they've got a lot cooking right now. Um, they're they're doing like R three camps now uh, around the the nation, and um, just a really good company. And I I produce some. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed because they're not very high level professional <laughs> quality. But I produce some wild game cooking videos for them, uh, and write for them. But um, yeah. you I know, mean,
0: content's content. I mean, yeah, I, but I, I've really put it this way. I've really enjoyed the content you've put out for them. Well, good, I, I well. try to, and every time I see that, it's it's especially your stuff that I see pop on there. But well, thanks, I, mean, I appreciate cool that. Recipes and well, whatnot that they get popped up onto their on the social media yeah. pages, and
1: it's it, it's funny, you know, because of that, um, and because I, uh, well, I, let's see, myself and my partner Jonathan Odell at a, we won the. Uh, Backcountry hunters and anglers wild game uh, cooking competition, and um, between that was that rendezvous, right? <laughs> right right between that and uh, yeah, rendezvous is a big uh, kind of a big party uh, once a year. Unfortunately, we had to skip it this year. But a uh, big party once a year where for, with Arizona backcountry hunters and anglers. It's usually in in Montana or Idaho. And uh, man, oh man, it is a good time. I mean, granted, you got to buy tickets, you got to get yourself up there, but it is worth it. It is so much fun. Um, there's there's tons of learning opportunities and you know conservation opportunities and learning how to, the legislature works and and all that. It's it's just a really really worthwhile endeavor if you if anybody ever wants to go up there i highly recommend it but we want we a cooking competition and uh uh between that and doing the videos and and writing for hunt to eat i've gotten this reputation as somebody that knows what they're doing in the kitchen and honestly i couldn't be farther from the truth <laughs> um i i know how to treat wild game um but I am far from a cook or a chef you know uh, I enjoy it and you know I feel like if you're gonna kill something you should you should try to do something nice with it you know uh, I think it's the least you could do but um, yeah yeah I, I, I think I've gotten my, my reputation isn't exactly warranted in that, that area
0: <laughs> but I try
1: so I don't
0: know it's uh, it's it's uh yeah no I think it's, I think it's pretty cool is what I think about it um i think you guys i think you got something pretty cool going
1: on over there i hope it's useful to people um you know, I mean, obviously I have learned a lot because, you know, I cook a lot of wild game. You know, my, my family, uh, I have two little little kids. Uh, Fielding is eight now and my daughter Nora is five and, and my wife Mary. And, and we, we you know, probably wild game, I would say, is a solid 80% of the protein we consume. Yeah,
0: um, and there's definitely nothing wrong with that.
1: No, no, it's healthy meat and uh, my kids love it, my wife loves it. and I uh, even, I like to give due credit to the unloved critters too, uh, jackrabbits, javelina, uh, uh, for those guys, there literally is nothing wrong. They're delicious, good oh, I, meat. Yeah, I don't <laughs> um,
0: understand where the... But, uh, I mean, I understand a little bit where the stigma comes from javelina, just because, I mean, they're I mean they stink pigs for a reason. They've they, they earned that name. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they got this whole thing with... But then we were talking before this call mm-hmm. how folks think they're rodents.
1: Yeah, they're not rodents. They're, no. they're a new world pig. Exactly. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, te- te- I mean, people love to correct people and say they're not pigs. And technically, they are correct. But also, technically, they're new world pigs, yeah. you know. Um, so so they are the pigs. They're just not the same pigs as, as old world pigs, farm pigs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's complicated and muddy and, you
0: know... Well, the reason, the thing I always talk about is, or explain it, is if you watch on Discovery Channel, you know, they have, you know, there's monkeys in India and there's monkeys in Brazil. Yeah. They're both freaking both monkeys. Both <laughs> monkeys.
1: That's a good way to put it. I'm <laughs> going to use a that. One's a
0: monkey, one's a new world monkey. But yeah. it's the same, you know, they're not related, but they are kind of thing. Because, I mean, if, if it's...
1: I, I'm giving my dog <laughs> threats <laughs> with my hands uh, throughout this podcast. Yeah, he's so. learning sign language. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, he's a good-looking dog, though.
1: He's a good-looking dog, but he's getting on my nerves right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, he'll curl up here. He wants to. I think he just get...
1: Can... He doesn't like being that far away.
0: No. No. <laughs> but, uh yeah so I mean like a hobbling like, they have this and jackrabbits too um, they have this stigma but it's the same stigma and I, we talked about I think I talked about this on every single podcast I want to drive it home but it's the same stigma that you know antelope get yeah and yeah. antelope is awesome yeah and it's, I think hobbling I mean I don't like it straight but you don't have to mess with it that much. Oh,
1: no. I, I love javelina absolutely straight in any any form you can do it. I mean, literally, I mean, javelinas stink on the outside. Um, right. And even then, I don't think it's a terrible smell, but they smell like javelina. Right. But you skin them, and you just, you be careful, you know, when you're processing. You don't want to rub, you know, your knife across their fur. You definitely don't want to. They have a, a gland on the, the center lower back. Um, you definitely don't want to touch that with, with your, your tools. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you skin them out. The, the, it's great. Typically what I do with them is front shoulders almost always get bra- or browned, then braised and then done into green chili, chili Colorado, something like that. Um, the ribs, I always keep the ribs. Uh, I do the 3-2-1 method on the smoker with those. They turn out tender and delicious. Back hams, you can brine them, make a regular ham, or you can braise them and do whatever you want. Back straps, tenderloins, they always go on the grill or in a hot cast iron. Uh, same with the heart. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all delicious. Um, the, the, the one exception I was going to make here, like I, I, I won't, you know, I, I won't give anybody any, any leverage when it comes to lean or Jackrabbit, um, but Coot I've been experimenting with lately. And I just made a, a gumbo, uh, and I made it with five Coot breasts, um, let's see, some diver ducks, uh, some crayfish that we caught locally here, and uh, served it with some fried frog legs, uh, local as well. <laughs> But it was it was absolutely delicious. I was so proud of it. Um, and the the, the coot breasts were just phenomenal. I mean, they tasted like anything, everything else that was in there. Right, right. But right. Uh, then I took those legs, I browned those and braised them. And I picked the meat all off, pulled the little tendons out and stuff. And then I crisped crisp crisped them up for taco meats. Forgive me, for taco meat. And I already had the preconceived notion. I had heard they're gonna taste a little swampy, so. They did to me, um, but then I served them to my family and they gobbled them up and said it was delicious. So, so I don't know if it was. Uh, I I don't want to say because I don't know. Right. Um, but they certainly weren't bad. I mean, I ate them. They were palatable. Uh, but I would not say you know they were delicious either. Put it that way. Um, right. But right. but the breasts were great, and I think that. At least this is, and I'm I'm repeating Hank Shaw here, so this is not info that's coming directly from me, but I think it's because there's fat in those legs, Mm. and that's where that that off flavor comes from, like like it does in diver ducks, and you can't get all the fat out of those legs. Um, That's how I understand it anyway. But like I said, I had that preconceived notion in my brain, and and that's what I came up with, but my family loved them.
0: Right, because it goes right back into, they always say, you know, fat is flavor. Yeah. you know, sometimes the flavor is good. Sometimes Sometimes it's not, Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. But in ducks, yeah, that's where all the uniqueness comes from between species otherwise you uh, you know skinned out breast tastes like a skinned out breast no matter the species right
0: right although wolf stales, I, I still say teal is my favorite
1: <laughs> yeah oh they are good man there's so many good ducks it's one of my favorite favorite wild game yeah and I, I love to smoke them and baste them in maple syrup and gosh they're good oh I've never done that so good they're just so rich
0: I got some fresh maple syrup at home too from New York yeah i don't have any duck breast right yeah. now but <laughs> i got some quail might be able to do it with a right maple maple gambles or something
1: right yeah we, we keep getting off in left field here don't we um, that's
0: half the fun of the podcast i know
1: <laughs> i know i've uh i've got some swan at home from a swan hunt i did up in nevada uh and i've only tried one piece of it so far and i just threw it in a cast art because i wanted to see what t- swan tasted like but it was tough uh, these were both old mature birds so i think i'm going to have to do something like corn breast or something like that oh, uh, st yeah. patty's day's coming up so i might do that and i also have the legs i'll probably confie those but i'm excited about it and that was that was such an interesting hunt i mean so interesting those birds are huge and to see them, they come in like kind of like you know uh, i can look out right now and see an airplane going into our airport and it looks like it's just slowly crawling across the sky but that's because of the size yeah. it's moving very very fast it doesn't look like it uh, and that's how those swans are when they're coming in so you end up shooting behind them you think they'd be easy to hit because they're giant but uh, right.
0: and if everybody knows aircraft i mean i mean that's a seven sequence of- Seven, six, seven. Yeah, coming down. Cause I mean, he looked like he was still going slow, but he's doing like 250 right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Same with the swans. They look like they're just crawling through the sky just because they're so big. But to have those birds come in on you, it's just uh, its something I'll never forget. They're beautiful.
0: Were you guys calling to them at all? Or? Yeah. Um,
1: uh, my partner in crime there was Odell, and he, uh, he was using a sandhill crane call um, and making it sound like a swan. I was just honking at them with my voice seem to work uh we had, other i know other people do that as well
0: yeah kind of like it's so like almost like a whooping at them yeah right? yep. yeah
1: whoop whoop and they'll they'll come in yeah we had six decoys out and it was quite, wow what's such an amazing hunt nice yeah
0: and those are those, those are all tundra swans right yep tundra swans yeah. yeah it's
1: getting
0: ah. a little warm out here
1: it is yeah we're in the sun
0: yeah when i first came out here it was, I, I threw a fleece on it was it was kind of cool when yeah. i first got the low range and, but uh no, so that's pretty, I mean, I think that's all pretty badass, I mean, especially, you know, because it, it, one thing that, and I always kind of laugh about, because, I mean, doing the podcast and doing the photography and the rating is, you know, it's, you know, one side effect of it is, and the same thing's probably going on with you, is you got to have stuff to do stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of almost like an extra driving, not that you really need it, but it's almost an extra driving force, all right, I got to get out, I got to have something to write about, I got to, so just a little sure. extra... You know, in addition to your your natural passion, it's it's a little bit more to get you up. You know, when you're four days into a hunt and like it's raining, like I don't want to go. Yeah, and it's like no shit, you gotta (laughs) do it. You gotta do it.
1: Yeah, I uh, I I get out. You know, for having a young family and a full time job, my wife works full time. I get out more than your average guy. Um, You get out a lot. I I try. I mean, it's a struggle. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Um, I, I have a wonderful wife who's my best friend. She's not always great with it, but she's i mean that's not fair to say she is absolutely great about it but that doesn't mean it doesn't come with strife you know right. absolutely right. it does and i try to be confident of that we we communicate well but yeah i i go i go every chance i get you know i'm either on the water or in the field
0: well the part of that too i mean because you said your son is eight now mm-hmm. yeah so he's getting about to that age. yeah
1: yeah um he's a blast he's uh he, he enjoys hunting but he loves fishing um and he's into fly tying now and i just i can't keep him off the vice which is awesome i love it but he's using up all my stuff you know like tungsten well, and beads <laughs> and things like that are expensive well, so
0: I've, I've been uh laughing every time i get on there because you'll, you'll post up some of his flies on instagram mm-hmm. but yeah there goes another set yeah another yeah
1: set. It, it gets expensive but but i'm encouraging it but yeah he loves to fish uh likes to hunt too um i uh i'm taking him out uh, on a javelina hunt next week we did our first javelina hunt you know which we call our big game hunt last year and we were successful nice. uh, hiked all day but but it worked out in the end and so hopefully we see some more success this weekend and uh, i even got my wife out this year she she harvested her first dove first thing she's ever killed and you know I, I can't say that she really enjoyed that part the killing part but she she did enjoy the excitement of it and you know she is aware that that's that's where we get our meat you know and, um, so I'm very excited this year. I put her in for cow elk. So
0: very, I was actually, that was the one question I was going to ask you was to, if you've been managed to put either on the podcast or off, mm-hmm. it was if you, uh. Or if everyone makes, make sure everybody got put in. Put it that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, my my boy, he we can start putting him in for points at nine, and then he can start hunting when he's ten. But my wife, I'm particularly excited about that because one, you know, it's something fun we can do together. Um, she loves to backpack, and that that's what you know. There's two things she's excited about. One, if she puts an elk in the freezer, I can't tell her what to do with it. <laughs> so if she wants to like just like <laughs> use it willy-nilly for this and that or grind the whole thing, you know, she can. Right. Um, and, yeah, it's hers. Two, she likes the idea that that excitement of the adventure going out uh backpacking out she likes to backpack a lot but uh go out and you know bring that meat back she she thinks that just sounds like a big adventure so i'm excited and for me this means that i can focus now on you know if she's putting a cow elk in the freezer every year you know we'll have that meat Mm -hmm. and then i can focus on building some points and and getting some you know an archery bull tag
0: no that's a that's a very smart way to do it um because i know know especially one of my things is you know it's it's like, do you, I've never been a horn hunter, you know, it's, yeah. I got nothing against it. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, I, I love it, you know, a nice 400 inch bull, like, just as much as the next guy, but you know, what well, do I put it in for that or I put meat in the freezer? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, the other thing too, is a cow is going to taste so much better, you know, than a well, you know, stinked up rotten bull, but.
1: Yeah. 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 You're, you're echoing me. Um. I don't get me wrong. I do want to shoot a big bull someday. Yeah, because uh, they're just does. such impressive animals. But you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't like using the, the phrase "if it's brown, it's down." But that's yeah, I, I like to put meat in the freezer. Yeah. So.
0: No, and I think it's one of those things that's it's uh it's definitely been overused and used in the wrong context yeah. for so long that you know in, in the bumper stickers don't help.
1: No. 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 And
0: that's and that's you know that's one of the things that. It's actually one of the things I think that BHA is helping to fix is kind of that perspective.
1: Sure that hunters no, are getting? We, we as curve. hunters need to self-police ourselves. We need to make sure we're coming off as thoughtful people that care about the animals we're hunting. Um, and, and most of us do. You know, I, I'm fortunate, you know, since I, I work and, and volunteer and all my friends are in the conservation world, uh, I I'm, am I'm live in this bubble of just awesome, thoughtful people, you know, that are out there doing it right. But, you know, there's people out there that don't necessarily do it right as well. And, uh, you know. Yeah, there's... Yeah, and it's so important if we want to keep doing this, we want our children to do this.
0: Right. Cuz I mean it's it's one of those things it doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean you kind of have to put in like mean, well one you should know the, the difference between right and wrong in the first t- first place. But I guess a few steps down the line, you know, is this going to pass the 6 o'clock news test? Like is this something you're going to want to see, you know, if That's a caught, great you know, way to. Like, yeah, is, it, to if is this going to pass muster if mm-hmm. your if your mug gets on the news? Yep. And that's, you know, hopefully you've made it a sit, you know, you've You don't have to get to that far to make that decision you know hopefully you just know but you know some folks needed the extra prompting i guess but
1: yeah yeah um you know we're you know during this this pandemic more and more people are are in the outdoors and that is becomes evident when you look at at license and and tag sales to the state and they're definitely uh, increasing um but that's also getting a lot of people out there that might not know how to behave and they might not know how to uh, you know uh, be ethical um, so I, I think it's on us in our community to, to make sure that with this increased usage of the outdoors that, that we're making sure we're getting the message out there about how you need to behave when you're out there
0: right especially with a state like Arizona so if you're I'm trying to remember the regs off the top of my head if you're 14 and under and you want to hunt big game, uh, uh, Hunter Ed is required. Mm-hmm. But if you're over the age of 14, it's not required yeah. so I think a lot of these folks you know you know Joe Schmoe coming from I'm not going to pick on you know Illinois too much mm-hmm. but that's just because I always think of Chicago um, or New York City or what you know and they come out to Arizona so we, we got so many you know Chicagoans and, and New Yorkers coming out um, in addition to other places you know I see just as many other tags that do them but I'm gonna pick on them particularly because I'm not a Cubs fan <laughs> uh-huh. but uh, you know they come out here and you know they come out here for maybe they're working they had a new job in arizona and they get hooked up with buddies and say hey let's go hunting they don't need an intro they just go out and buy a hunting license get their tag and they're off and running they're off the races right there which is great i love how easy it is to get into hunting but at the same time unless they are uh proactive about it they don't see that uh, Interacting, and then you know, a lot of that's going depend on their buddies too, uh-huh. you know, or whomever has got them into it. Maybe it's a maybe they met somebody and it's their father in law or their mother in law or whomever it is, it gets them into it. So, I mean, the mentorship is, is I think, is definitely where a lot of Arizona's ethics lie yeah you know so getting that which you, you brought up r3 um i think and r3 isn't just a you know it's just not a position on somebody's business card you know working at the nwtf mm-hmm. or whomever you know i think r3 is everybody's responsibility to do it right yeah can you receipt
1: those three r's It's uh, uh
0: recruitment retention and reactivation very good Yep. Yeah. Yeah, recruiting new hunters, uh, retaining the ones we have, and reactivating the ones that have gotten out of the game and, you know, getting them back into the forest. Yeah, and, you
1: know, it's easy to take somebody out on a mentored hunt one time and be like, oh, there you go, you know, now go do it yourself. But that doesn't mean it's easy, you know. Not everybody grows up with guns, you know. Not everybody's comfortable walking out into the wilderness and, you know comfortable with their ability to get themselves back out. So, right, so right. It, t- it takes more than just, just like, one trip.
0: We're like, we're messing around with archery tackle today. We're at, like, we're at the bow range. And, you know, it's, uh, I mean, that's the way to get tags in Arizona, is get into bow hunting. Yep. I mean, it's such an archery-friendly state. Um, you know, and it's the same thing is, and you know, hopefully they'll pick up a little bit of stuff there, but I think that's, that's, that's a big part of it, is everybody no matter... And I, I feel like part of it is you're going to feel silly. You're going to feel like you're preaching to the choir half the time. <laughs> Edward's uh, giving us the, the what-fors right now. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I almost kind of wonder if we should be preaching to the choir more often. And, you know, just making sure that, you know, person X, when they walk into the bow shop or, or whomever, and is uh, – Maybe up to date, you know, or, or maybe helping along. Or if you notice somebody's kind of struggling, you know, maybe step up to the plate, and, you know, at least, you know, buy a text or something become that mentor. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, think, I think that's where Arizona's at right now. Because, I mean, Maricopa County, we're the fastest growing county in the nation. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it, like 5,000 people a month or a week or something like that are, are moving here?
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a lovely place to live. I get it. But, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's growing fast.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and well, you mentioned, too, the uh, we were breaking so many records on fishing license sales. I, I mm-hmm. haven't seen what the hunting license sales were like, but, it, I mean, they were just blowing records out of the water with, yeah. with fishing licenses. I mean, fishing is a lot easier to get into, but, um, you know, and, and I think Arizona does a really great job at promoting the outdoors. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, and that's part of why I, I wanted to do this podcast is to maybe be that step two you know step one's getting them in the door mm-hmm. step two is all right how do you keep them here how do you you know how do you teach them the right way to do everything mm-hmm. um and part of that you know is letting them know about you know what resources are out there because i mean it's easy <laughs> <laughs> i was just watching Edward. um you know it's it's easy to uh Oh, I feel bad. No, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> just watching um,
1: we need to do a better job with new hunters.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's what I want to get at. Yeah, it's it's being that next step to just sum it up. Yeah, we already summed it up once. I'm just beating the dead horse here, but yeah, treating them right, getting them in, getting them to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know and uh, at the same time, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, I'm not saying like you know you have to do it this way. Like, you know, like you see a lot in the duck hunting world, like oh you're you're not doing it right if you're not killing it ten yards in the kill hole. Yeah. You know, over the decoys. No, there's a lot of ways to do it outside of that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to be like can't do it. I don't mean that right way. I just mean doing it smart, being ethical, um, thinking about more than just filling a bag. Yep. You know, and there's more to being a successful hunter. Than filling a bag. I mean, so we were talking about the uh, before the podcast. We we're talking about so quail forever. We just did a end of season casting blast at Roosevelt Lake, which was a lot of fun. But one of the things we started doing, uh, and it was brought up, is that we quit hunting by two. Um, it's late in the year. Birds. It's a little bit early to be you know not doing calls or anything like that now. Mm-hmm. But these birds have been getting banged at since middle of October. So just. Let them relax. Just, you know, we want to hunt, but yeah. you got to think about the resource.
1: Sure. As well. Yeah. Let them get back
0: together in those coveys before it gets dark. Yeah. Especially that because it's getting cold. I mean, the coveys are already broken up. They've been, you know, some of these, we have, because we had a stellar gambles year. Um, I know back in October uh, when it was still warm, I wasn't hunting with a dog yet. And this guy with a Labrador, and it's way too hot in August for in October for him. But, uh, you know, we were finding, you know, we were pushing 200 birds a day just with little short walks, you know, and, but then by the end of the year, you know, a good covey, you know, was like 20 birds.
1: Yeah. It gets whittled down. The birds get smarter. It gets a lot harder, but, yeah. but yeah, if we, if we, we want good stock for next year, you know, that that's, that's the whole, that's the beautiful thing about this model of wildlife conservation. So I, I feel like, you know, hunting, it creates that tangible connection to the land to the wildlife yeah um and that's why there's such you know again splitting up environmentalism and, and conservation lots of great work happens on the environmental side uh, no doubt about it on the conservation side of things though i mean it's almost like having an army you know people are engaged yes. um and i think that's because of that tangible connection they have with the wildlife and you know that's a very natural thing. You know we, we're we're part of this biosphere. You know we're we're part of this whole system, and we've always engaged in it. And you know that that gives people a little something extra. You know they they have they have investments in it, um, and it, it really inspires people to get involved. Um, in conservation and, and and do that good work and and i just love that and the, the fact that we can you know the last hundred years have shown that we can take surplus uh from these populations you know have this great protein preserve these wild places and still you know maintain and even increase these wildlife populations year after year after year yep. um and it just it's it's almost like having your cake and eating it too, you know. <laughs> it's almost too good to be true, but that—that that is the beauty of the system, and it does work, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, I
0: mean, take the number one most hunted animal in North America, the way oh, I tell deer, here. <laughs> yeah. And it went from, you know, I remember hearing from my grandfather back in the day, like, you'd make the newspaper, mm-hmm. like, in some cases, you make newspaper for seeing a track, yep, you know. And if you kill a buck, I mean, holy smokes, like, you were everybody in town knew, like, it was. It was instantaneous, like holy shit! You know, so and so killed a buck. Yeah, and nowadays, I mean, the blasted things are everywhere. It doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter if you're in the Adirondacks or the Ozarks or Arizona. There's a, it's not that hard to find a deer anymore. Right. You know, not that were, not that they were ever crashing. I, mean, I know our mule deer populations are on a decline uh now in parts of the state and other state you know other depends on the unit you know but the mule deer aren't doing as great as the white tails always have you know not and, and i'm mostly talking midwestern eastern white tails you know not so much our coos deer i don't really know how much difference our deer have seen but mm-hmm. yeah i mean it went from that you know what was it like fifty thousand to well like they're in the they're counting deer in the yeah, millions yeah. now
1: yeah um it, it's amazing you know, uh, i guess a lot of that increase has been you know market hunting is is what put wildlife in in a bad spot 100 years yes, ago for um, sure you know no regulation uh, at all and that and you know having that regulation and and watching those numbers and being careful and managing the take every year including with the white tails out east edge habitat you know we've created so much edge habitat and mm-hmm. they just they thrive in that out here in the west coos deer habitat is the same as it was you know when when native americans were hunting them you know it's yeah. one of one of the nice things about being out here is you know these these habitats and these wild places are the same as they always have been um, and i
0: feel like I keep, I keep wanting to stop you to explain stuff but um you mentioned edge habitat uh-huh. so how would you define? It, like, uh, it's pretty it's straightforward, a, yeah, right? yeah, an
1: ecotone between, ecotune between two different habitats. So you know, you'd say a woodlot and a field. Yeah. So what that provides uh, to to something like a white-tailed deer, you know, red-tailed hawk's another uh, easily observed animal that that thrives on edge habitat. But you know, it, it provides. A variety of resources mm-hmm. um, in one area. It also it provides you know bedding and 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 cover from predators, and it also provides you know good food. Um, so yeah, yeah, each habitat is is almost always going to have more going on wildlife wise than say you know a, a, a uniform woodlot or are, are just an, an open field you know yeah and of course that that varies you know with species and different habitat types throughout the, the country
0: right yeah it's it's, it's uh, less so here but uh yeah so being the edge habitats uh i know if anybody's from back east you know listen to this uh you know we used to hunt soft edges a lot so you know it doesn't even have to be like like you mentioned um a uh, uh, wood lot in a field is what I would consider to be uh, defined as a hard edge, you know, because it's a hard, you know, you got wood, you got food right there, and then you know we even have soft edges, which I think are more prevalent here in Arizona, mm-hmm. where even just two different biomes that are somewhat similar can create what's called a soft edge, and that can be enough to manipulate uh, wildlife movements. So I mean, back east it could be even be. I'll uh, split between you know where hardwoods bumped up against softwoods, um, and those would be used as a travel corridor because just enough difference you know one provides food, one provides its cover um, to get them to move. And the same thing happens here you know when you get into the uh, brush lines you know you get on the edge of a big flat of of. Uh, uh, Choya, mm-hmm. you know, at the Choya, then it goes right into a juniper line or a mesquite line or something like that, and you know, you'll see deer moving yeah. on those edges. And, and you know, here we have more defined you know, with the ridges, ridges and gullies. And, but even like in a gully, you can, you can, if you watch the trail lines, they'll generally follow some sort of an edge. It might be somewhat easily defined as a creek bank, or it might be just difference in in the, the vegetation. But right. just a little. Um, yeah just little stuff like that you know like, like it, it could be somewhat minute like but it's still a little right th- th- they're tuned into it more so than we are
1: you know that that goes back to the whole r3 first time hunter thing too that that seems almost so common knowledge to people that have spent their life in the outdoors that you don't even think to mention it to someone new
0: which is why i keep stopping you to, to right explain right, stuff, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah um yeah cause, i mean that's part of what uh, uh i mean r3 is all about i think and, and or at least where it should go if it's not there already mm-hmm. is you know it's one thing to say oh yeah you need to go to i don't know put in for unit eight i'm just pulling one out on my tail but you need to go to unit eight you need to put in for cow tag if you want to go elk hunting so, all right you get up to unit eight what now you know, yeah. you, know you know you can say oh you go to this basin. oh man
1: i still feel like that sometimes you know
0: what you know all right so this elk are going to be in such and such a basin are you you're looking for such and such a feature well why is that feature tangible why mm-hmm. does that matter yeah and, and that stuff that i think seasoned outdoorsmen forget to pass on right you know it, it, it especially with because there's so many adult onset hunters now especially here in arizona um with all the transplants and folks just getting i mean i mean the, the covid Brought a lot more out outdoors people in men and women, mm-hmm. and you know, and I think that's it's that's just part of it. You know, part of it, you know, you gotta learn on your own. There's mm-hmm. some things just can't be taught, but other stuff, you know, like that. So, all right, you know, part of your mentorship, you know, in addition to, you know, like <laughs> it's kind of one of those things where also my mind stops working. Mm-hmm. But you know, it goes from the hard stuff. And, oh, don't shoot across a road. Don't shoot them. You know. If there's an elk, in, you know, don't shoot them in the water. You know, right. stuff that should be, you know, like, well, duh. Yeah. But there's other stuff, you know, smaller stuff, like, you know, like the tracking. Like, well, why did you do this? Or um, I was teaching one of my friends how to read a rub, mm-hmm. you know, even deer rubs. You can kind of gauge an animal's size or his, uh, you know, what stage of his ruddiness by, like, by his rub line. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to do it back east, you know, you can kind of gauge which bucks did it. Did a certain rub just by like, uh, dad used to call them dog killers with the brow ties and yeah. watching how the brow ties <laughs> rubbed. Uh, rub the trees and yeah. if, he, if he's a really tight buck you will wrap around and you know when he puts his head left or right that that brout, that the uh, main beam will come in they'll hook the back side of the tree or right if he's really pissed he's gonna you know this you know everything's shredded you're looking for the uh-huh. sap you know stuff that stuff like that it's kind of what i think is you know it's interesting to folks to learn too mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i appreciate that because it's I, I tend to overlook these things and and i need to be better about that so that's a good reminder
0: yeah but, uh, as you said, we keep going off to the left field, but you want know, to talk about the Arizona Wildlife Federation?
1: Sure. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's, uh, in, in my professional life, um, I work for the Arizona Wildlife Federation and I am the advocacy and conservation coordinator. So what, I mean, the Arizona Wildlife, we're approaching a hundred years old now. Um, so we, uh, we've been around, you know, nearly, nearly a hundred years. And I'd say we, of course, I, I was not involved at that point, but, um,
0: Which is almost as old as Arizona is. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, we
0: just turned what 109 two days ago. mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, we we were formed because uh, back then, uh, wildlife uh, was was controlled by the le- legislature um, so it was all politics and there was a lot of you know good old boy type uh, you know back patent deals um, a lot of favors and and that's not good for wildlife we want science to dictate wildlife management so the Arizona Wildlife Federation was formed in order to create our, the first Commission in Arizona uh, which is what we, we work with now and and I'm, I'm you know it's just a great system you know we don't want politics and wildlife we want science and wildlife but that's how we were formed, um, you know. And through those hundred years, there's been ups, there's been downs. Um, right now, we're on we're on a pretty uh, significant upswing. But uh, we, at least my work there, I we focus on both. Game and non-game species. We're, we're definitely, you know, get leaning towards uh, game species. Uh, we Our membership runs about 60% sportsmen, 40% just general outdoor recreation. It's the non-consumptive side of things. And I like that because... That's where I am, you know, I I agree. I mean, I'm a fanatic hunter and angler, um, but but, uh, you know, I appreciate all living things, all wildlife, you know, plants, everything. I I, I dig it all. And uh, so I like that we live in that place. Um, We're also Uh, Firmly bipartisan Um, and I like that as well because that's that's how I try to be anyway I'll put it that way. It's I don't think anybody's perfect there. We know we all have our our leanings, but um, You know my my goal is to fall right in the middle. I want to lift up the good and stop down the bad I don't care what side it comes from That is a great place to be Um, And that's what kind of gives us our teeth too because when we're down at the Capitol we have doors open to us on both sides of the aisle, you know, we have our friends, we're Republican friends and we have Democrat friends. We can talk to all of them and it's, it's a really good place to be. At the same time, it's also a very uncomfortable place to live because, um, <laughs> you know, uh, in my daily work life I'll be in one meeting where, you know, I kind, kind of feel like a crotchety old conservative guy and then, uh, you know, an hour later I'll be in another meeting where I feel like I'm way far left. Um, and i like that because that that's the the space i want to live in but but also you know it can be uncomfortable at times mm-hmm. and you know when when you're working in politics um you know like lately we've been working on uh, uh hb 2702 it's it's a bad public lands bill and you know when when you take positions on these bills you're going to upset somebody and and you know especially whenever you're working in the center you know you, right. somebody on one side or the other is going to be upset about what you're doing but that's the place we live though um and and w- i think we do exceptional work and uh well uh, sorry, edwards being a distraction again <laughs> but um uh yeah uh, where are you going well, it's a, it's a it's a great group. Uh, we do a lot of good work. Uh, we have affiliates. We Arizona Elk Society, um, Valley of Sun Quail Forever, um, uh, National Wild Turkey Federation. Just brought on Ducks Unlimited. And, and so what we try to provide for these groups is no nobody likes to play in the legislature. Um, it's not fun. It's uh, you know like I said, it's not popular. Uh, it's it's hard work. Um, but that's where decisions are made right. um, and if, if somebody's not watching somebody's not paying attention bad bills are going to get passed the bills are bad for habitat bad for wildlife bad for access bad for public lands and we uh, we take a lot of pride in the fact that we're there we're watching um, our affiliates appreciate the fact that you know they don't have to constantly be paying attention to the stuff that you know they can be working on on the ground you know habitat work. And and we're there to to bring bad bills to light to say hey look at this this is not good um, you know here, here's what we can do you know to, to help stop this here's how you can help us stop this and that that's what we provide to our affiliates and, and I'm I'm very proud of that.
0: No, it's you know, it's pretty badass work that you guys do. I mean it's it's stuff that in the modern world you know everybody's very social media conscious everybody mm-hmm. so everybody it's always very instant gratification. Um so I feel like legislative stuff outside of what's, you know, going on, we'll say in the big the big realm, you know, DC and whatnot, especially right now. I think it's very easy for stuff like that to get put under the radar mm-hmm. or to be put under the radar and you know, folks tend to miss out on the spec you know, so unless something really gets brought to light that you know, unless somebody makes a big stink about it, about a certain thing i know um i don't want to put you on the spot but look we just had a bill get unproposed we'll say mm-hmm. um referencing uh trail cameras in Arizona mm-hmm. and you know so that create a big uproar but a lot of other stuff is for everyone that we hear about yep there's a bus that just doesn't get as widely spread and especially because i mean arizona one thing that i love about the state one thing i maybe fall in love with the state is how much public land we have how Mm -hmm. much public access you know
1: that's why i'm here yeah
0: yeah and that's exactly so and I, i think it's too easy for arizonians to us to sit on our laurels kind of things. Oh, we have 60, was it 65 we'll say, percent, mm-hmm. depending, you know, we, we're talking about this, but kind of depends on who you talk to.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely over 50% public lands in yeah, Arizona. which is a
0: huge amount, because is a, a giant state yeah. to begin with. <laughs> and, and, uh, but so it's too easy to sit on our laurels, but, you know, it's, um, but then you know, that's taking into account all of, you know, the, the Forest Service land, BLM lands, and that includes Arizona State Trust lands, mm-hmm. but those are private public they're they're a weird subset
1: yeah yeah technically you know I guess if you want to hike and fish Oh, I'm sorry I'm sorry hike and uh, bike or, or whatever on state lands how I understand it is you need a hunting and fishing license and that hunting and fishing license acts as your permit to be on those state lands um,
0: well so I'm just, I think I, I think I understand, I understand it a little bit differently
1: okay please I could I could so very well be the way wrong on that
0: I understand it is if you're you need a permit to access hmm and if you are actively hunting then your license counts as that permit mm-hmm. but if you're not you have to go through um i forget what the website is you have to purchase a separate permit um really? and it's not very expensive but it's still it's in it, i don't for lack of a better yeah, it impedes put, access it, yeah it's a, it's a trespass fee mm-hmm. what you're paying for
1: yeah
0: um because i think a camping permit it's like 20 bucks to let you camp for a year mm-hmm. but it's not like you know it's not the same as going up on the rim or go on the desert on BLM land and be able to disperse camp
1: yeah yeah moving out here from Missouri I mean I I knew about public lands but I didn't really get it until I got out here and I was like wait I can just I can just pull off the highway and go camp and go do whatever the hell as long as you're not tearing it up these are your lands you know they're owned by all American citizens collectively um and, yeah, as long as you're not tearing them up, they're yours to use, you know. Get out there and enjoy them. Yep. And, I, you know... I've been out here 10 years and I still, it's like, wow, you know, this is just amazing. And that's why I can't go back home. You know, I I, I want my children to have this. Uh, It's just such a a treasure, you know, to have all of this access and all these beautiful, diverse habitats that we can go explore. You know, we can, we can, we can hunt fish. Hell, we can feed our families off of them. You know, it's just, uh, it's an amazing thing. and, And it's something worth preserving
0: for sure i'm just looking around at it i mean but we're at papago parks we got the papago buttes papago however we pronounce it views mm-hmm. right behind us you can't hunt here because the gist- <laughs> yeah, there's sheep
1: know. up there you know that oh well no that's the no, that's, that's right down there. here yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i live uh three quarters of a mile from the sheep enclosure yeah um, I think I feel I, I feel like I creep some mornings because I'll walk out there <laughs> with, with my with my uh, binos, and I can see that giant ram they have yeah and I'll, I'll watch it and I'm sitting over with, with binoculars just reveling because I'm watching a wild sheep or mm-hmm. a big horse sheep not a yeah. wild sheep <laughs> I'm watching a sheep from my patio mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah that's that's part of the, the I guess the Phoenix zoo is is yes yeah, the uh, back
0: side of the zoo <laughs> uh, yeah and but I'm, I'm just looking around to be a camelback right there um which, you know, I'm looking at houses on those private lanes, but that's hikeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Bradshaws. Or yeah. Not the Bradshaws, uh, the McDowells. Uh-huh. They're all hikeable. Um, four Peaks right there. That's yeah. huntable. You can hunt
1: I mean. the McDowells, McDowells, too. I took yeah. that mule deer out of there last year. Um,
0: you had McDowells. You have the White Tanks in the West Valley. Yeah. You got Mount Ord. I mean, this is...
1: Yeah, you get to the edge of Phoenix, and you have hundreds of miles it's game of forest and wilderness. <laughs> and um, you get to the edge of St. Louis, you know, my home city, you have hundreds of miles of suburbs. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's something else in the Mazatals. Holy hell, man, that is an amazing wilderness. Yeah, yeah, you oh get lost in God. there, and it's you know you can see it from Phoenix. It's it's unreal.
0: And if you remember, I mean Mazatol, or Mazatol, it I forget which language it was. I don't remember if it was Pima mm-hmm. or, or or Apache or Yavapai or what. Li- but it actually translates to um, where the deer live. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's that's, yeah, that was, you know, I guess it was like old hunting grounds back, like way back in the day. Uh, but there's so much, I mean, if you just want to go look for gold. Yeah. you got superstitions right there. I mean, there's right. legends about it in there. Oh, yeah. So, do um, you want to go be a, uh, what do they call them, a Dutchman hunter? Sure, yeah. Yeah, if you want to go be a Dutchman hunter, I mean, you got plenty, yeah, all yeah, the hiking.
1: me and my little boy are hunting javelina in there next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's you name it I mean and it's all and the one thing I love about Arizona too is I mean we're sitting in the middle of the Sonoran Desert well the north edge of the Sonoran Desert you drive an hour I mean you can get up in Chaparral half an hour past that and you're up in Ponderosa Pines Mm -hmm. and then you go you go east you go you know you get up and towards towards like Young or up backside of Globe I mean within an hour everything changes Mm -hmm. you know you can get out of the Choi, you can get into the pines you can uh, you can get into, I mean, hell, our deer species change. You go far enough north, you get away from desert mule deer to get into Rocky Mountain mule deer. Um, same thing with wild sheep. You go from the Nelsoni desert sheep, We have, you know, which there's sheep all around us, mm-hmm. in, in around Phoenix um but then you go far enough north you start getting into classic you know rocky mountain sheep yeah i mean yeah. it's just so much here i know I mean, it's almost it's overwhelming a tag but right the, the opportunity to at least see a wild sheep yeah is within an hour drive oh two yeah hour
1: drive. no i mean literally world-class some of the biggest desert bighorns in the world are just outside of phoenix yeah you know i
0: mean the estrellas are going to be behind the buttes right now but the estrellas right over there superstition mountain they all got um I know one of the, the things that I loved when I got here was uh, we went on a tour with, it was, it was put on by AZGFD and the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society. And they rented, I forget what the name of that big fake paddle boat thing is on Canyon Lake, but the, they rented the boat out and it was just, they took us all around Canyon Lake to, to showcase all the sheep on the lake. All right. And it was just, a, for somebody new to Arizona, Came from you know, you know, an area where any buck over 120 inches was giant. You know, going up and seeing these, you know, a couple of them rams are pushing 170. Mm -hmm. You know. And they're right here. It's just outside yeah. the Phoenix. It's like, what the hell?
1: <laughs> they might as well be a million miles away, though, as far as we getting attacked. As far so, as we get attacked,
0: yeah. yeah but but um, from a photography standpoint, yeah. mean, the photo opportunities there are just exciting. I, I just love the opportunity to see wild sheep on the mountain. I, I mean, um, same thing goes for the bison herds mm-hmm. up north. Just the opportunity to yeah. know that they're on the landscape is pretty bad. Yeah, yes, in my
1: I, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, i don't ever get tired of this stuff I, I i love the diversity the state offers
0: yeah it's it's unreal but one thing i am curious about so we'll just say joe schmo mm-hmm. just whomever it wants to be uh what is the best way for them to get into i don't want to we'll call it the fight or get into mm-hmm. it and help out uh the federation or bha or sure you know but to help you know maintain our traditions are pretty much our way of life right right at it.
1: um well let's put it this way or with bha simple go to a pint night let's get to know these guys um it, it's one of the most opening open and welcoming groups that i've ever known you know there's if you're a brand new hunter and you feel funny going to talk to experienced hunters which you know most people do you know i it's completely reasonable these guys they're not like that they're you know they're not going to make you feel like you don't know what you're doing they but you know they're, clicky? they're no it's not clicky at all They're just nice welcoming cool guys to hang out with so that would be the very first thing i would recommend go to a pint night um and it's it's like hell how do you put this you know the conservation community. Any new hunter, if somebody reaches out to me and asks me about hunting, uh, and they're brand new or, or they want to go duck hunting, you know, I tell them, well, first off, you know, duck hunting spots are, are, are good spots are few and far between in the state. All the spots that I know, I was shown to by other people that have put a lot of work into it, so I can't share those spots right. with you, and I apologize for that. What I recommend is go join Ducks Unlimited. You know, go to a meeting. You know, join your local chapter, get to know those guys. The conservation community are where. In my opinion, the very best people are you know, to be to be found in, in as far as sportsmen's go. Yeah. I mean, I know there's good ones out there, otherwise, but. The conservation community is, tends to be full of thoughtful people that, you know, want to do good work. So, the, you know, they're always open uh, to to new folks that, that want to do good work as well. So it's not hard. It's simple. You know, just show up, talk to people, reach out, make some phone calls, send some emails, start rubbing shoulders. You know, all of these groups need volunteers. They all need help. Most of them are completely volunteer based anyway. Yep. Um, and all you got to do is show that interest, you know, uh, send an email, you know, we all live in a world full of social media now, so it's not hard to find these people I or mean, these places or I these orgs. I a
0: DM on Instagram. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. that's... And I get those all the time and I appreciate it. Last night I had patio beers, uh, in my house with a fellow that just reached out and, and wanted to be more involved. Sure. So, um, yeah, it, it's easy and he's going to be more involved. I mean, he's, he's in the right place mentally and, and I know I got somebody I can call on and, you know, um so yeah it's not hard you know All I got to put a little bit of effort in and, and there are, people will they'll take you the rest of the way yeah
0: yeah I think that's a great way to put it because folks might think that you know until they've got the experience we'll call it of being a an outdoorsman mm-hmm. um, you know that they're not welcome that's it's a hundred percent not true and you know like you said, just going out you know just go talk baseball yeah. with somebody at the bar i mean the conversation mm-hmm. will get there yeah and
1: and you don't even have to be a hunter or angler i mean uh, the work that backcountry hunters and anglers does the work that arizona wildlife federation it benefits everyone on, yeah. on both on the consumptive and the non-consumptive side so that, that's just one way of saying hunters and anglers versus hikers and campers um it uh, it benefits everybody you know we're out there working to preserve these places and access to these places and so it doesn't matter if you like to hike or bike or camp or birdwatch or hunt or fish you'll be you benefit from this work. Yes. Um and you should definitely consider supporting these organizations that do it. Yeah. And and you're not going to be ostracized if you come in and want to want to be part of it but you don't hunt and fish, you know. You're just simply not.
0: Oh, we have a ton of members between you know Ducks Unlimited, Quail Forever, mm-hmm. you know that they don't really hunt or you know at the most, you know they they have a bird dog i Mm -hmm. mean i've i've known quite a few folks that only got into hunting or even got interested in the groups because Because of their dog yeah yeah it's like oh yeah i have a hunting dog you know let's take him hunting that's awesome i mean you get involved um and just having but and it just gets you in that group and and just introduces all these extra folks to what's going on because i mean I think it's it's very easy for folks especially it's just as easy with folks on social media is to get out in the weeds doing your own thing and they don't know that this stuff is is going on Mm -hmm. i mean i bump into folks all the time that doesn't know what um quail forever is or they they think that it's all it's all hunters and i mean majority of them are because they but the reason they do the conservation is because they love this resource Mm -hmm. i mean these guys and gals are some of the most passionate people you'll ever meet it doesn't matter what the subject is you know you, you put these guys up against any sports fanatic yeah. and they're going to be on the ball for their subject I mean they they know these these birds they know these animals and one thing that uh, I know I had issues with in the past because I never had a lot of money mm-hmm. um, like they always say you don't get a wallet for the money kind of thing you don't do yeah. it for the money because there is none uh, but it, part one thing that I want to Try to stress is that if you're gonna be out there messing with a resource, we'll call it, mm-hmm. um, harvesting a resource, whatever. I think you should be talking with your wallet a little bit and helping that resource. Sure. So I mean, if you're, you know, if you're with, you know, the way I'm looking at, it, you know, you chase ducks, you know, you should be helping out Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfall, um, any, of these, any of these. If you're, if you're interested in sheep, you know, you have the Arizona Desert Sheep because I, I really like the state-focused ones more than the federals, mm-hmm. even though I'm very big in quail forever. Um, you know, yeah, like uh, Arizona Elk Society and the RMAF, the Rocky yep. Mountain Elk Foundation. You have the National Water Federation, which is a federal side. Um, but in addition to all that, in Arizona, we're all doing it on public lands. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing if you're helping out QF, in my opinion, you should be helping out BHA because if, mm-hmm. if you got no place to hunt, then what are you going to do anyways yeah you know yeah. if you're going to lose that.
1: that that's definitely an area i struggle is i want to support all these guys it's, yeah um and dues
0: get expensive and yeah yeah up. and
1: i'm not made of money um no but i do try to support as many as i can every year but it seems like man i'll i'll finally knuckle down i'll pay my dues for everybody and it seems like i turn around it's like time to do it again it's like dang yeah but uh but they all do great work and i definitely want to support them so i, I, I do my best there
0: yeah and i think one thing especially you know because i'm in the same way i i can't i i'm not a member of everybody because i can't afford to be yeah but i one thing i really enjoy is how much overlap there is too Mm -hmm. so i mean you got the (coughs) the du guys we um they're helping out riparian habitat Mm -hmm. even in arizona i mean they've they've done a couple thousand acres of habitat restorations here and that directly impacts everybody i mean that those riparian that's helping the deer it's helping the javelin, it's helping the quail um quail habitat is helping everybody too so it's it's the only difference I really see is which species they're using as the umbrella, mm-hmm. but they are an umbrella to cover everybody. Yeah, which is I don't know. I think it's pretty badass no matter how sure. you look at yeah, it.
1: Yeah, no. If you're if you're supporting quail forever, you're also supporting rattlesnakes, whether you like them or not. You know. Yeah, right. Um. You know, you're you're supporting, you know, all of the organisms, the the birds, the bugs, the plants that, that you know utilize and make up those habitats.
0: Right. I mean, I think everybody. Wa- I mean. So one phrase that gets thrown around a lot in my profession is you have a lot of armchair biologists, Mm -hmm. and I think if you're going to be an armchair biologist, I think the best way to do it is to actually support the folks that are helping biologists.
1: Yeah, 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 (laughs) I think uh, so.
0: (laughs) But, uh, so we've hit an hour, just hit an hour 17. Um, I lost my OneDrive here I wanted to talk about, but uh, there we go. So I guess we'll kind of start wrapping it up so uh in 2021 mm-hmm. you've had a i don't want to get it, it'll be something had a rough start <laughs> i did have a rough
1: start 2021
0: but uh what are you looking forward to in okay
1: 2021. Well, well um well, okay. Uh, Twenty. Uh, the year starts out here with Arizona. The hunting year it doesn't really ever end. Um, you know, we can we start with uh, javelina uh, in January and February. Then we roll into spring turkey. Then we roll into spring bear. And, and then before you know it, it's it's elk season. And it's just it's a year-round thing here. Uh, a good problem to have. Uh, my wife would probably disagree with that, but I think it's a good <laughs> problem to have. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I, my year did start off rocky. Uh, I went on a, on a ham, uh javelina hunt, which ham stands for handgun, archery, muzzleloader. Yep. Um, and I was archery hunting and, you know, the fr- I was out for three days. First two days, man, I, I had pigs, and yes, I am calling them pigs. Uh, <laughs> I had them in front of me. You know, I, I will say I had six to seven javelina, and I'm really making myself look bad here, you know, within 20 to 40 yards of me. Um, and through my own screw-ups and mishaps or just bad luck, I, I could not get a uh, connect with an arrow. But uh, get to the last day, and I've already screwed up so much. Uh, I, I'm thinking there's no way the javelina gods are going to give me another opportunity because <laughs> I don't deserve one. But sure enough, I'm up on my glass and knob having my morning coffee, which is probably one of my favorite parts of big game hunting is glassing with coffee in the morning. <laughs> it's an awesome feeling. But uh, uh, sure enough, I spot some pigs up on the mountain next to me. And uh, I go ahead and, and, and start my approach, hike you know down my mountain up the next mountain. And I come up over the backside downwind from them and drop my pack, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I look around myself I'm like yeah I'll remember this spot I always do that Um, but you know you're so focused and you have so much adrenaline going on on these animals and, and getting close to them you never do you never forget where you drop your pack so you should always mark it and I know that and I never do but anyway so I drop my pack I'm making my final approach and, you know, this, this squadron Javelina is literally just, I'm on, the top, I'm on the top of the mountain. They're just below a little rock outcropping. So i am got 10 yards to creep up. I'm going to get up over these rocks. And I know I'm going to have a shot right there. And uh, there are two trucks and, uh, like, an SUV uh, pull up down below me. And, uh, you know, it's funny because if these guys listen to this podcast, I'm sure they have a completely different story than mine. No, but this, this, is, this is how it happened on my end. These guys pull up below me and uh, dogs barking, they all get out of the truck, they're talking loud, and I don't pay that much attention to them. I figure they probably spotted the pigs I was on, mm-hmm. but they were so far away, you know, I, from, from my perspective, they may have been closer, but I would have guessed over 200 yards. So I'm thinking, well, these guys are gonna have to make an approach, you know, and I'm already like, literally, I'm on top of them. So I don't think it's gonna be an issue, but uh, a few seconds later, I hear a, uh, a shot ring out. And I think, well, they can't they can't be shooting up here. Uh, they're too far away. And I pull my, my glasses up or my binoculars and look down. And sure enough, there's a guy looking back at me with binoculars and another guy with a rifle pointed up in the mountain, um, you know, which looked it, like it was pointed at me, although I'm sure it was pointed at the pigs. And I'm like, oh my, you know, this is not good at all. So then, you know, I, well, I just, I can't imagine what I would have felt like if I'd had my son with me. Um, You know, that would have just been terrifying. It was already scary. So I raise my bow up and my arms and I wave and I'm like, you know, hey, fellas, I'm up here, you know, don't shoot this way. And they said, get out of the way. Jesus. <laughs> and, it, it, and at this point, these guys were strung out. But, I mean, I didn't know where everybody was, but I know they're spread out uh, under the mountain. And I mean, at least, and I'm not exaggerating, I, I want to say more, but at least 20 shots rang out. Um, it was so discouraging. And it was, you know, the, the the most blatant display of neglect and lack of sportsmanship I've witnessed. And I've still got to pit in my stomach over it. Um, I didn't want to move. Because they got a bunch of guys down there shooting and everything. You know, they were way out of range. Um, I mean, maybe with, you know, a guy that knew what he was doing with a muzzle muzzleloader would have mm-hmm. been in good shape there. Or, you know, they could have been using those AR pistols, which really aren't pistols. Um, but they, they lit up this mountainside. Assistant. Yeah, they they, they they lit up the mountainside. And I didn't want to move because I was afraid I was going to be shot because they're going to shoot whatever's moving, you right. know. And uh, But I eventually did have to back out of there because it was just a bad spot to be in what was funny and and those pigs that they they'd been shooting at they they were it was another one of those opportunities ran up stopped right in front of me but only for a moment i tried to knock an arrow and they carried on but um as i was looking for my backpack which of course i lost at that time um i heard them coming up the side of the mountain and one of them had the audacity to say uh, and that this is why i say i'm sure the perspective was different for them but one of them says can you believe he just stood there That was so unethical. I'm going to get his license plate. I was like, are you kidding me? You guys roll in on me as I'm literally... I've been, you know, approaching these pigs for an hour now. And within 10 yards of them, you guys pull up and start shooting. And, you know, regardless of the situation, whatever their perspective was, when I said, hey, I'm up here, don't shoot up here, that's when the the shooting should have stopped. Yeah. Um, Because there's just no excuse. No javelina is worth, you know, shooting a human being. But... um. But yeah, I didn't go talk to him at that point because I was more interested in where those pigs had gone. I should have, I should have called authorities or something, but but I didn't. Uh, you know, hindsight how it is. But it was just it was a bad, uh, bad uh, situation, and you know uh, there are bad actors out there, and I, it's a terrible way to end a talk where we've talked about all the good hunting does and all the thoughtful people in the hunting community, and all that still holds true. But you know, there's there's some some. Some other guys that don't know how to behave out there too, and you right. know, and we, we need to make those people know that that's not acceptable as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one thing that, and I wasn't gonna bring it up. I wanted if we talk about one. <laughs> it's an uncomfortable subject. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but that's it did happen, and that's how it happened. When I was talking about the mentorship,
1: uh-huh.
0: You know how I think a lot of going to lay into the mentors. Yeah, to really bring it up. That's and why it's important. In, in my opinion, I mean, whether no matter how somebody's interpreting that, in my opinion, they. They screwed the pooch, yeah. um, but I would lay the blame on the mentorship. Just either, either the mentor was good and they disregarded it, mm-hmm. or there wasn't one, or whatever. Yeah. But to me, I think that's where
1: yeah like i said we need to police ourselves yeah yeah for sure but anyway that's that's one. i'm sure the rest of the i i i can't say i've ever had a bad hunting trip but uh you know even if i'm unsuccessful i love that time to unwind uh you know clear my head you know i think about my family and my kids and uh i just i love being by myself in the wilderness you know it's 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 just a great time for me all the time but that trip with bordered on that was kind of a bad trip (laughs) but um i'm looking forward to better trips like i said i've got a i've got a uh a tag with my general Havelina tag that i'm gonna hunt with my son um in a much less popular place um (laughs) this next week and i'm very much looking forward to that um you know but i guess uh if i uh, skip back to 2020 um that was not (laughs) it was funny because 2019 that that season i brought home a bear i brought home an elk i brought home a mule deer i brought home two javelina uh you know in a plethora of birds and small games and everything came super easy you know like first day out you know almost not all of it and then 2019 rolls around i'm sorry 2020 rolls around and yeah, it's tough, <laughs> which I, I guess I earned it. But uh, I did, I did, uh, I did, didn't get an elk tag. Um, I didn't get to put in the time and the bear that I wanted to. Uh, and uh, I, I did get a small mule deer buck um, on, uh, in the early archery season but yeah man it was it was a tough season for me i mean i had a lot of fun um and had some great time small game hunting uh and i mentioned that swan hunt that was such a great experience although that was nevada but um yeah i got to go chasing a lot of critters that uh i hadn't before the kaibab squirrel um dusky grouse uh, i tried for uh chucker and that's, that's a tough one i'm gonna give it another try this year but i got to do a lot of new things this year that i hadn't tried before and uh, had, had a. Had a really good year, I should say. Last year, now that we're in 2021, but um, had had a great year despite not bringing home a bunch of big animals and then really filling that freezer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it still sounds like. I mean, the Arizona chucker is one of those. Were you chasing the chucker in Arizona? Was that in Arizona? yeah, Yeah, that's a tough. Yeah there's only a couple of canyons they even hold them mm-hmm. yeah that's a very tough venture to go on but just um but getting out after them you got after the duskies mm-hmm. i mean of course with edward i bet you probably focused a lot more on the birds
1: yeah i did a lot of birds him. this year
0: yeah a lot mm-hmm. of focus on with him and uh, and because you did the nevada that was right after so another event that bha put on mm-hmm. well it was the nau chapter mm-hmm. of bha but it was the hunting for sustainability workshop uh which we did a podcast with uh wolf government
1: yeah yeah, Wolf's doing just an outstanding. He did an outstanding job with that event, and he's just an outstanding
0: guy all around. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I got a lot of respect for Wolf, and you know this, oh, what the stuff that he's been able to do to for for BHA and, and for Arizona outdoorsmen, I think is, is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Uh, we were going to do another a follow-up punt for it, but just with the Rona, everybody. Yeah, just it's couldn't get it's it done,
1: tough to do these things right now. That I was, I was so impressed with the way that event turned out in the midst of all this, but uh, he did a great job
0: yeah no for sure and so yeah if, if folks want to hear about that that was episode i want to say six i think um but uh that's another great event that bha put on um i think it'd be kind of cool maybe some an idea for you guys maybe some, maybe do that down here mm-hmm. maybe do that with uh maybe not just the chapter you know the 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 collegiate folks mm-hmm. i mean i think i think NAU, i think what they got going on is badass but i think it'd be pretty pretty cool to do something similar down here with asu or yeah just through the chapter with uh you know adult onsets or mm-hmm. you know other folks maybe getting them out um and doing a couple of hunts just to get them introduced and then maybe do some follow-ups and stuff but i think that'd be pretty cool for bhu to be able to do down here but uh you got any goals for this, for this year, year? Um, I, I
1: definitely want to try check that chucker off the list. gonna put a lot more effort into bear this year. Um, just because I really missed having one in the freezer last year. It is probably my favorite meat. Um, I, I love the fat, I love the meat. Um, they're just a beautiful and fun animal to hunt um there's just so much that goes with bear but uh so i want to put a lot more effort into that um i've put in for elk of course and i'm anxiously awaiting that draw uh, i only put in for bulls but like i mentioned earlier either on or off the podcast i don't remember but i put my wife in for for a cow elk so hopefully she gets that oh, fingers um, crossed. yeah yeah and um So yeah, of course, and this year I'm going to, I'd been saving points uh, for deer and just hunting over the counter archery. I wanted to put in for like a, you know, a good mule deer rifle tag and I changed my mind. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, coos deer are getting more and more popular every year. Uh, Those tags, it's, we're going to get to a place where they're as competitive as everything else. So I thought, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to put in and and go chase some coos deer down on the border this year, I think. And I'm looking forward. I love that country. They're beautiful little deer. Oh, and, that uh,
0: silver they got in their hair i mean mm-hmm. that, i think they're the prettiest deer in north america to yeah. tell you the truth yeah no, so i think you're right i mean i was talking about a couple of days ago with a couple of the buddy of mine that i think in 10 years i think january is going to be a drawn archery yeah yep. you know it's it's getting to that mm-hmm. point yeah more and more
1: popular and for, for good reason i mean we're sitting out here in february and it's just gorgeous you know what i mean oh
0: yeah i mean starting to it's getting a little warm. Yeah. Tell the truth. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I would agree with that, and that, that's why I'm going to burn those points and, and go chase me some coos deer. Uh, I've always focused on mule deer just because it's twice the amount of meat, really. Right. But uh, they're, they're great animals. I live in great country, and yeah, I want to do that. So, so yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I put in for New Mexico elk, which I always do, and uh, I never draw it, so I'm not really planning on that. <laughs> but because
0: uh, they don't do a point system over there, right? It's it's just a straight draw mm-hmm. in New Mexico.
1: Yep. Yeah, and that's uh. You know, that's great for somebody like me that doesn't have a bunch of points built up everywhere, right. but uh, it's still it's a tough draw regardless. And uh, I did make one mistake that's a little bit embarrassing, but I'll go ahead and admit it here. <laughs> I uh, I put in for bighorn sheep as well. So I figure as far as sheep go, that's probably my best chance over there because, you know, everybody's competing on the same level. Yep. And but those tags are $3,000 It's between four three and $4,000. I don't remember the exact number. It's
0: non-res. Yeah,
1: for non-resident. Um, and if I could draw a sheep tag for uh, you know even if it was four thousand dollars, I'll make that argument to my wife, you know, <laughs> uh, for a, for a, a ram. Right. And so I put in, and the, the thing is, they they take that money out of your account immediately, and then they refund it when you don't draw. So that, I think that keeps a lot of people away, especially yeah. for those expensive tags. And I'm not made of money, but fortunately I've got good credit and I got credit cards. But um, so I put in, and you know I'm sick to my stomach because that's just a lot of money and i uh i get I thinking about it and i and I go back in um to check uh on what i what I put on i look at i look at my receipt and my third choice was a u tag i know and you know <laughs> not not to not to be you know be sexist against sheep but i i don't want to pay you know almost four thousand dollars for for a u tag um so in that case I, i'm gonna have a lot to explain to my wife and i'm not even gonna be happy about it <laughs> so i uh, i about puked um, when i saw that because i had there's probably a really good chance of drawing that tag um i don't know what yeah, the odds are the but, thoughts on that one yep um so but fortunately i i called them up and they're like yeah you can still delete that application so i already felt so bad i didn't even re-put it so <laughs> I'm just not going for sheep this year, but uh, that that was embarrassing. But but let it be a reminder to your listeners to be careful. I always rush because I mean life's busy, you know. I got little kids and full-time job, and you know that draw. It's like oh, I'm like oh, I need to do that, and then I'll, I'll do it one evening and I rush through the whole process, and, yeah. and that's how you make mistakes like that. So so be careful. That that would have that would have been bad for me.
0: Yeah, cause I mean even in here in Arizona, really watch those hunt numbers because they change every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah really watch them. But um, I guess with that, I guess I got one last thing is do you have any closing thoughts? Oh man, you know,
1: I guess I guess I would just circle back to that getting involved, you know, in conservation, you know, in your area, it doesn't matter where you're from. You know, here in Arizona, we have super, I oh, hope that wind's not getting too bad, super dynamic conservation uh, community here um, and, and great people. And yeah it doesn't matter what you're into out here you know if you're a die-hard elk hunter you know you got the elk society if you're only ducks you got ducks unlimited you know if you're a generalist you got bha you got arizona wildlife federation um there's ample opportunity these are good people you, you'll be welcomed with open arms um there's tons of opportunity and you know even despite you know you don't don't you don't have to get into this because you you're a selfless person that only wants to do good conservation work It can be I am a super selfish sportsman, you know <laughs> So I don't like to hunt with other people because it's like I, I want to put that elk in my freezer You know, I've right. um, only get so many days off a year to do this, you know, and don't get me wrong You know, I, I'm, I'm all for helping my buddies pack out an elk, you know, but to take a, a week off, you know To go help somebody else get their elk As awesome as that is it's I don't, I don't have do. the time you know yeah. um don't don't misunderstand me I'm not a complete monster I'll, <laughs> I'll 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 help my friends out but um uh you know I am selfish uh but again, that is the beauty of the system of, of conservation. You know, e- even if you're into this for your own selfish endeavors like I am, you're still contributing to the system and, you know, getting involved in that conservation community, you know, do it for whatever reason you want, because you're going to get paid back, you know, no matter what you put into it, you're going to get paid back, you know, uh, twofold. Um, you're going to meet great people. You're going to learn a lot. Uh, you're going to get turned on to spots. You're going to go on wonderful trips, you know, and it's all because you're, you're part of this wonderful community that's out there they're trying to do this good work yep. so so that, that i guess that would be my takeaway you know don't hesitate to get involved in the conservation arena um it, it's a great great place to be
0: no i think that's a great way to, to wrap things up um so i guess we're gonna wrap that up here so mike or michael how is the best way if folks want to check you out on instagram or oh, social media or
1: sure get a hold of you? um okay uh you know facebook uh anyone anyone's welcome to look me up there it's a great way to communicate and find people um and i do put hunting stuff on facebook but honestly if it wasn't for old friends and family i would drop facebook in a second yeah but i stay on there for that instagram i like and uh it's as far as you know my sporting endeavors my hunting my fishing my cooking things like that that all goes on instagram um so yeah if you want to find me there it's mlc that's for michael lance cravens again mlc outdoors is that what it is mlc outdoors i
0: believe it is yeah yeah, yeah. All right. that's MLC my instagram I'd handle
1: so uh you'd think i'd know that um <laughs> but yeah you can find me there i think you can just look up michael craven's i'd pop up too i'm not sure how that works but easy to find though
0: yeah, look, yeah. Uh, Michael just look for the guy that's got yeah. all the outdoor content on his page. Yeah, so. and also,
1: you know, <laughs> if, if you're local or, um, are, are, you know, you're interested in any of the stuff um, we've talked about here, make sure that you uh, you send me a private message as well, um, and that way I'll know I'll to friend you back and, and we can chat about it.
0: No, that's pretty badass, and I think uh, I think this could be a great place to wrap this up.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. This was fun. I will never bring my dog again. I promise. For another podcast, he was a nightmare. But um, well, you say nightmare.
0: I I thought he was entertaining. Uh, so
1: he was a distraction for sure. So yeah, I'm sure I botched some of my explanations on things here and there. But but it was certainly a fun one, man. And I appreciate it. All right. Well,
0: thank you again for coming. on. It's been a lot of fun. But uh, we'll catch you later. All right. Take care, buddy. Yep. Yeah. Bye.